welcome again. It is really great to be here. And, and my hope for, for each of us today is twofold. The first is that we would have a meaningful moment with Jesus. And, and a little bit ago, I felt like I had that meaningful moment with Jesus. And my hope is that if you haven't had that already, that uh, maybe in the next 15, 20 minutes, you'll have that moment for yourself. Uh, but then secondly, my hope is that, that this would be a safe place for you to, to connect, uh, to, to bring your whole self, your genuine self, your authentic self, and to, to not be ashamed of who you are or where you've been, but to explore who you are becoming, to explore who it is that God has made you, uh, to explore faith, uh, to explore spirituality, maybe a relationship with Jesus and what that would look like in your life and how that might change the way that you live and move. Now, today is part number eight of a 10-week series called Fully Alive. And if you've missed any of the first several parts, my encouragement would be to go online to 1128community.org backslash fully alive and get all caught up because there is a good thing each and every week that has built to this point. And so if, if you're sitting here today and you're like, I don't know how this fully connects, like it's, it's going to be helpful to go back and watch all the other messages. But hopefully today, whether you've seen them all or not, there's at least one little thing that you can take away. And last week we talked about gifts. We talked about the spiritual and the not so spiritual gifts that God gives us, the things that, that just kind of come naturally to us, the things that we're good at, the, the way that we can use those gifts to make a God-given difference in the world, and then today to, to kind of move beyond just our gifts, but the, the idea of like the passions, the things we care about deeply, and how God has, has informed us with passions and, and given us passions so that we can live out our gifts in the world as well. Now, uh, I remember as, as a young student pastor, and by young, I mean like you know, like eight years ago. And uh, I was 30 at the time. And I remember Colleen and I, we'd lived in Waukesha, Wisconsin for just a few months. Uh, we moved here in August of, of like 2016 or so. And, uh, and so we, we were about ready to like do our first big youth ministry event. And it was a color war. And if you've never done a color war, essentially everybody just gets painted in, in like chalk and paint and they wear white shirts and it's crazy and it's a ton of fun. And, and we spent a few weeks planning this color war. And so I was excited. It was a Sunday morning. It was beautiful day outside. We we're going to have this awesome color war with all the students, a couple hundred of them. And, uh, and Colleen called me because she was at home uh, with, with Julia and JJ, Julia was, was not exactly a year yet at this point. And, and she's freaking out on the phone, like, Michael, something's wrong. Like, I, she's all red and puffy. And like, I, I think she's having an allergic reaction to something. Now, anybody that's got a kid, like, you understand that like, that's a pretty serious, like, thing. And it's pretty stressful. And, and, and there was a lot of, like, instant, like, emotion. And I was torn, like, what do I do in this moment, right? Because, like, I'm really passionate about students. I'm really passionate about having fun. I'm really passionate about seeing students have fun and maybe come to know Jesus because of that. But at the same time, I'm also really passionate about my family. And I'm going to do whatever I can to support and care for my family. And so here I am in this moment of, like, how do I choose 
my family, or these students that maybe don't know Jesus? Like, how do I choose? I'm passionate about both of these things. And the reality is, like, in the heat of the moment, you, you gain a little bit of clarity about what it is you're about, right? In that moment, it was, am I more passionate about my kid and my family and, and making sure that they're cared for? Or am I more passionate about students and color wars? In that moment, I realized, like, I'm way more passionate about making sure my kid is taken care of. And so I missed the color war, and, and I think it went all right. And we ended up finding out that, that the almond flour pancakes I had accidentally bought uh, weren't so good for Julia, and it's led to a lot of, like, interesting tests and things ever since. But, like, in that moment, in that moment of, like, kid or color war, two things I'm passionate about, I, I made a choice, and, and I clearly understood who and what I was about, right? Like our passions, they clarify who and what we are about. Our choices in the heat of the moment clearly define us. And I think we've all had experiences like that, right? Like we've all had those heat of the moment choices when, when we're stuck between like this, this is something I care about, but this is something I care about. And, and you got to pick one. And then we make the choice. And we have to live with that choice. And sometimes maybe we regret the choice. But our passions the things that we care about most, that clarifies who and what you are about. Passion clarifies who and what you are about. And, and if there's any doubt, if there's any doubt about what it is you're passionate about, think about those hard moments and what you chose. What did you choose? You're passionate about those things. You care most about the things that you chose. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, we read about this, this guy named David. David was a king. He's very well-known, very well-respected. He made some great choices, and he made some not-so-great choices. And today, we're going to look a little bit, very briefly, because I've got very limited time, at two choices that David made. And so the first one is in 1 Samuel. We learn about David before he's the king, right? Like he, he goes into the, to take care of his brothers. They're off fighting the Philistines. And, and you've probably heard about David and Goliath. If we have any sports fans in the room, there's always like the David taking on the Goliath kind of storyline, Right? Right? I mean, it's, it, it's like the Detroit Lions. They're, they're David. And the Packers are Goliath. Like the, well, not this year, maybe. But like, right? Like David and Goliath. Like one team is just always going to win. And the other team is always going to lose. Goliath was a giant man. David, just a young boy. Uh, David, obviously, as we know, goes on to defeat Goliath, and everyone celebrates him. Clearly, God was with him. He trusted God. He, he shed all the armor and the weapons they tried to give him, and he took some stones and the slingshot, and right in the head, and down went Goliath. And from that moment on, like David was kind of set up uh, to be king. But how did we get to that point in the story? 
How did we end up in this situation where, where David defeats Goliath? What, what happened just a little before then? This is 1 Samuel 17, verses 22 through 25. It says, David left his thing with the keeper of supplies, uh, and he ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were, right? Like he had gone there to really to take care of his brothers, to bring them food and supplies and things. And, and as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, he stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Now, I imagine if, if I'm standing here, you know, kind of looking at this giant person across the way from me that's like angry and shouting and, and wants to murder me, like I'm going to be a little bit terrified here. But but that's not what happened, right? Like whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. But that's not what happened. David, David didn't feel that. And now the Israelites, they'd been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. And I know like the idea of having to be like exempted from taxes is really appealing to some of us today. But like David wasn't in it for those reasons. Like those were all fine. Like I'm sure they were nice like side benefits, but he was in it because like God was with him and he knew like God was asking him to step into this moment. And, and in the moment, David made a choice. Uh, he decided, like, I'm either going to fight or I'm going to flight, right? Like, he chose in that moment to fight, to stand up for what it was that, that he was supposed to stand up for, to do the thing that God had asked him to do. His, his passion in that moment for God clarified who and what he was about. Like, he was about God, and he was about God's things, and he was about God's purposes. He was about God's people, And as we learn, he was trusting and honoring God in that moment. David's passion for God, his passion for God's people, it clarified who and what he was about. And it also provided hope and it provided healing to a nation. It provided hope and it provided healing to a nation. When, when we choose God, when we're passionate about God's things, when we're passionate about doing the things that God asks us to do and we choose that, it brings hope and it brings healing. And I think all of us want to bring hope and healing into the world. But, but here's the thing about passion. Passion. It's a tricky thing, right? Like passion, passion can be like misguided at times, right? Like fast forward several years, David's king now, and there's of course another battle because like that's the Old Testament battle after battle. And, and so David is at home, the troops are off fighting, and he goes out on the balcony and what's he see? He sees a beautiful woman taking a bath. And I know like if, if you've been in church before, You've probably heard the joke about like how the woman, like why is she taking a bath out there and like putting herself, you know, on full display for David to see. She shouldn't have tempted him. Like, let's be real here for a minute. Like, this situation's kind of on David. 
You know, like, like David didn't have to act on his passion in that moment. David's the one that, that made the bad choice here. And he calls for her. And uh, to keep it kind of PG, they spend time together and she ends up pregnant. And so David, now realizing his mistake, is like, well, I gotta fix this mistake. Like this woman that's not my wife and she's actually married to a guy that's off fighting right now. Like um, I gotta fix it. So like, shoot, my passion's got the best of me. And, and so David, uh, he, he calls to the front lines. And he says, send Uriah back. And Uriah comes back, and, and Uriah is, is Bathsheba's husband. And, and David's like, go spend some time together. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm, I'm supposed to be with my guys. My boys are out there fighting. I'm supposed to be with them. And, and David's like, okay, I'll try again tomorrow night. Same thing the next night. And so David trying to cover up his mistake, the bad decision that he made, uh, he says, okay, take this letter that I've written with you back to the front lines. And it says in 2 Samuel chapter 11, in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front of where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army, they fell. And moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. David's passion upon seeing Bathsheba, it got the best of him. And because of that misguided passion, uh, he lost men. And now I'm wondering, just like you are, like, how does this all tie together, right? Like, what, what do we do with this this morning? It's a warning. Uh, David's story, I think, putting these two examples together is a warning for us. Uh, passion, we said, clarifies who and what you're about. And, and David, in this second example, he was about himself. He was about getting what he wanted. He was about feeling good in that moment. And, and his misguided passion, it caused hurt and harm. God-honoring passion provides hope and healing. Misguided passion, not so much. It causes hurt and harm. Passion clarifies who and what you're about. But you've got to be careful with it. You've got to be careful with it because a misguided passion, a lot of times it displeases the Lord. And, and it displeases the Lord no matter how hard you try to fix it, no matter how hard you try to make it right, right? Because David tried to make it right. We, le we read the last verse in that Second Samuel chapter 11. It says, after the time of mourning was over, David had her, Bathsheba, brought to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son, right? Like this is David like trying to fix it like again, because he really screwed it up. 
But the last line in this chapter says, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. No matter how hard David tried to fix the mistake, no matter how hard he tried to fix that, that misguided passion that he followed, like the last line is David had done something that displeased the Lord. This morning, I think it's, it's true to assume that we're all passionate people, right? Like you're passionate about something. Maybe you're passionate about multiple things. Maybe some of the things you're passionate about are not as important as some of the other things. And, and you've never been put in a situation where you have to define or, or clearly like identify what is most important to me. The reality is, though, God hopes that, that we would use our passions for his glory, for his honor, for his purposes. And the hard truth is, too many of us are misguided. Uh, too many of us are selfish. Uh, too many of us never consider the hurt or the harm that we cause by the, the passions that we choose to follow. Too many of us never consider the hurt or the harm that our choices make. They, we never realize that they leave a trail. And we can look behind us and say like, oh yeah, I, I realize now. But none of us or not many of us take time to actually turn around and look at the trail. Oftentimes, misguided passion hurts those that we care about most. Oftentimes, misguided passion harms those that we care about most. But God-honoring passions strengthen relationships. God-honoring passions bring hope. God-honoring passions bring healing. God-honoring passions are the way that we are supposed to live, the way that God hopes that we would live. That's why God redeems us, so that we can honor him, that we can bring hope, and we can bring healing, that we can be people of reconciliation. And so this morning, as, as we reflect on the reality that we are passionate people and that God desires us to bring, to bring him glory, to honor him with our passions, like there's something that we need to do this week. We need to rein in our passion. We need to, we need to, to, to put the things that we're passionate about kind of out on the table in front of us. Maybe make a list, like actually make a list. These are the things I'm passionate about. And then don't say like, okay, how do I choose? But say, God, help me put you at the center of these things. God, would you clearly define who and what I'm about? Because when you put your passions on the table and you invite God into that, that informative meeting, what you're ultimately doing is putting God at the center of who and what you're about. And when we do that, we're way more likely to get it right than we are to get it wrong. Uh, when we do that, we're, we're more likely to see our gifts come to life and to be used in the ways that God intends for us to use them. And when we do that, we're going to realize that, that the masterpiece mission that God has crafted 
and designed us for. It's something that so easily is stepped into. It, it's something that, that helps us grow and live and love more like Jesus. So this week, let's ask God to clearly define who and what we're about so that we can live fully alive on mission in the way that we were created to live. Let me pray for us. God, would you help us to put you at the center? God, would we reflect on, on, on who we put the most value and trust in? And God, would that person be you? If that's not you, God, correct us. God, would you define who and what we're about this week so that we can live on mission with a purpose. We pray this in your name.